welcome, friend, to the sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church. Union Congregational is a caring community connected through God, loving and serving all along life's journey. At Union, we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone, that no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, God's grace is for you. So wherever this message finds you, I hope you will hear in it the living word and be blessed. The first reading today is from Mark 9, verses 3 to 36. I'm sorry, verses 33 to 36. Here's Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What are you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for for on the way they had argued with one another, who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. May God add a blessing to the hearing of this word. Our second scripture reading today continues in Mark's gospel, this time in the 10th chapter, verses 13 through 16. Let's continue to listen for God's story and for our story here today. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, He was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And so he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. This too is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, one of the great innovations of this third decade of the 21st century is the tagless t-shirt. Gone are the days of cotton t-shirts that had those obnoxious polyester tags on the inside of the collar that would tickle at the nape of your neck all day long. And even if you went and you cut the tags off, the little bits that were left behind would always still bother you. And then, of course, you'd try to just rip those out, but then you'd rip the seam out, and now your collar's got a big hole in it. It was just bad. And with the tagless T-shirt, all of this is in the past. The future is bright for our children, indeed. 
But this change does not come without its costs. You see, I can't tell you how many times I have had to reverse my son's t-shirts because they put them on backwards without the tag to indicate which side is the back. And oftentimes, the writing where the tag used to be is is obscured. If it's a dark t-shirt, you can't really see it. They put these t-shirts on backwards all the time. And I must confess, it is not just a problem for the children. (laughs) So I think it is with scriptures like this one that lack a clear tag to indicate for us how precisely we are to take them. I think this morning's passage about receiving the kingdom of God as a little child is, is one of these passages that we may confidently stride out into the world thinking we understand one way, but then it turns out we have it kind of backwards. As I read it this week, I caught myself wondering what it means to receive the kingdom as a little child. It seems straightforward enough. Be like a little child if you want to receive the blessings of God. That means things like childlike wonder, where every new experience is a celebration. Or maybe childlike faith where we have a trust and assurance in God as unshakable as our trust and assurance in our parents. Or maybe it means childlike innocence, where we are free from sin like newborn babes washed in the water and the spirit. Surely this is the lesson of this passage, receiving the kingdom as a little child. It's It's a reiteration of the teaching we hear in John's Gospel, where Jesus said that one must be born anew, to see the kingdom of God. And maybe that's right. It certainly is the well-received interpretation and understanding of this story, especially among our born-again Christians. But maybe this interpretation of the story is kind of like the tagless t-shirt that we hastily put on only to realize sometime later in our day that we've got it on backwards. Of course, the confusion here is understandable. The phrase, as a little child, is an example of what logicians call amphiboly. It's when the grammar of the sentence is ambiguous and can lead to multiple meanings, misleading the hearer into thinking the wrong thing. It just seemed so natural to hear these words, receive the kingdom as a little child, as, as describing the one who receives the kingdom. But, as we heard in the previous story, when we consider the larger context in Mark's gospel, I think a different reading appears. The first reading we heard Lou read for us this morning describes Jesus coming home after a tour of the countryside. He's been out and about healing people and teaching about the kingdom of God. And as they were making their way back to his house, he had overheard the disciples talking amongst themselves about who among them was the greatest, about what their rank and position should be in this exclusive little club that they had formed called the Kingdom of God. When they get there and Jesus asks them about this, however, no one is willing to cop to it, which makes you think that they all knew at some level that they maybe shouldn't have been talking about it that way. 
Ironically, all of the braggadocio and self-aggrandizement that motivated their question, who is the greatest, all of that disappears, and now none of the disciples want to speak up as the first. To talk a big game and to throw one's weight around in private when one thinks no one is watching or listening, well, that sounds kind of childish, if I do say so. As any parent or teacher knows, though, You can hear a lot, and Jesus was certainly listening. He had heard far more than the disciples had realized, and so he called him out on it. He said, whoever of you wants to be first must be last and servant of all. And then to illustrate this, he takes a child and puts it right in the middle of the group. And he said, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but the one who sent me. Can you imagine being that child? (laughs) What a strange experience that would have been. One moment you're just minding your business, maybe playing over in the corner, maybe you're chasing, chasing your brothers or sisters around, and then the next moment, this teacher grabs you, sets you down in the middle of these 12 disciples, and says, this is the one you're supposed to welcome. It's an interesting window into how even these intimate gatherings in Jesus' own home with his 12 disciples actually must have had many other people present there. Wives, children, nieces, nephews. They were all sort of gathered around, milling about as Jesus came into his home with his disciples. But Jesus' choice of a child is an interesting one in this case, and it serves its own provocative lesson. Dr. Christine Garraway wrote a book called Children in the Ancient Near Eastern Household, and she argues that the term that we have here translated as little children probably referred to someone between 2 and 12 years old. And children in those days were not, contrary to popular opinion, treated as either tiny adults or as sort of expendable extras. Children were treated as something distinctively different, something other, in their own category, kind of set apart in society. Unlike grown folks, for instance, children uh, tended not to have firmly established gender roles. There weren't pink toys and blue toys, girls' chores and boys' chores. Those distinctions didn't really enter in until puberty. Uh, We even see that here in the text. The gender of the child is ambiguous. It just says, the child. Similarly, children also stood apart in not having these specific gender roles insofar as they really had no social power whatsoever until they came of age. Even, Even the sons and daughters of wealthy people would have been subservient to adults. Children weren't even on the social ladder. They they were set apart from it. In fact, this freedom from social demands is part of what guaranteed that they would get to have that wonderful thing we all call a childhood, that they would get to be children. And I think we all have this perception that, well, in these benighted ancient times, to be a child was was to work your day away and that and the children were less precious because of you know, high infant mortality rates and these sorts of things. But scholars now agree that this is, this is a misunderstanding of the ancient world. And it's likely a sign of our own hubris that we think that 
Our protection and idealization of childhood is a mark of our civilization and enlightenment. No, children have always been precious, even as they always have lived apart, been on the margins of society, and even here on the margins of most historical records. And so given all of that, it is significant that Jesus takes this child from the margins and places it right in the center of the group. It's as if he was saying, when I say you must be a servant to all, I mean all, not just the person to your left or to your right, but, but this person even over here, those considered other in our society, those who are different in many ways, those who are without power, you know, children. Here at Union, we begin every service echoing the spirit of Jesus' teaching here. It is an, ex it is a, uh, an expression of extravagant welcome. Jesus calls his followers to welcome all. And so we, so we say it, and we put it in bold letters on the sign outside of our building. All are welcome. And yet, we see Jesus' followers followers here, much more concerned about their own individual status in the kingdom of God than about that message of welcome. Indeed, just 20 verses later, we hear that there are crowds of people bringing children to Jesus to receive his blessing, and instead of rolling out the red carpet and welcoming them with all the joy and hospitality that they can muster, what did the disciples do? They rebuke them and turn them away. They tell him to leave Jesus alone. I wonder why. Well, you've met children, right? You know why. You know why. You know why. They're crazy. They're wild. They, they don't know how to behave. They don't know how to act. They're always disrupting things. They get in the way. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it was the fact that the disciples just couldn't let go of the idea that they were the ones who were close to Jesus and that no one else should be allowed to be as close as a little child could get to come and to sit on his lap as they had in Jesus' home. You can see why it says in verse 14 that Jesus was perturbed with their behavior you got to imagine him saying, didn't we just go over this the other day? What part of whoever welcomes a child welcomes me did you not understand? In fact, let me put it to you another way. You all were worried about who would be greatest in the kingdom? Well, anyone who does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will surely not even enter it. It sounds differently in that context, right? The familiar meaning that we are the ones who are supposed to be like children, that we receive the kingdom, it's, it's all backwards. What we have here is yet another parable of Jesus teaching about what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God, he says, is like a little child. It's not like us. It's like them. It is the kingdom which we are to welcome as though it were a little child to take it up, to lay our hands upon it and bless it as Jesus did. 
Too many Christians, I think, have followed the disciples in turning away the gospel, turning away the good news of the kingdom of God, this radical call of Christ for equality and justice in society, and instead substituted it with the self-serving good news. Too many have turned Christianity into this toxic thing that does not welcome all in the name of Christ, and instead throws up obstacle after obstacle and barriers of entry that keep people from God's radical call to community. I think too many of us have failed to truly appreciate what God is saying to us in Jesus Christ, and instead substituted our own vision, our own backwards version of the gospel that ironically is as ill-fitting as a backwards t-shirt. The disciples thought that Jesus' coming was all about them, about making them great, about achieving their salvation. But it seems fairly clear that the gospel is not about them. It is about God. And when we mistake a lesson about God for a lesson about us, we fall into the trap of worshiping what Swiss theologian Karl Barth calls the no-God, the null-God, the God who is nothing but a projection of our own selves. The God of the gospel, the God made known in Jesus Christ, is something utterly other and radically opposed to this null-God, this God of self-aggrandizement. See, faith is not about projecting our own fractured and fragmented human experience out into the world as though it were some kind of grand kingdom. It is instead about receiving and welcoming the absolute otherness of God, the absolute otherness that God has willed for us and for creation and all of the possibilities that come with that. It puts me in mind of this experience I had the night our first son, Brady, was born. Whitney had been in labor for nearly 24 hours, and both she and the baby were completely exhausted by this and depleted from their efforts. So the nurses suggested that I give the baby some supplemental bottle feeding while she got cleaned up. And so I sat down in a rocking chair, and I cradled this new life in my arms, swaddled up in that little hospital blanket, and there, mere feet away from where he had made his entrance into the world, I fed him his bottle, and from time to time, his little eyes would flicker open, and I could see the deep, dark blue color of those newborn eyes that, have, that still are adjusting to the light of this world. And it struck me, as I was looking at those eyes, I wonder what color they'll be. I wonder if they'll stay this color or if they'll change. And it got me thinking, I wonder what you will be. After all, who are you? Who is this tiny little thing in my arms? He didn't even have a name at that point. He was this little mystery, this infinity of possibilities. And I, of course, had my own hopes and expectations for what it would be like, but it just struck me in this moment that, that he was this beautiful blank canvas, that he could become so many things that I would never expect. And I told myself I would, I would not stand in the way of that. And I probably haven't really kept that promise particularly well, and maybe it's a little idealistic to say, but I think, 
I think that is something like what Jesus is saying here, that the kingdom of God is like this child that is full of possibility that we can't even ask or expect or imagine. That's really all Jesus is saying to his disciples here. He's saying, just treat these children the way God meant for them to be treated. Don't let your own self-interest, your own vision of what's right or what matters get in the way of that, because the gift of abundant life God has promised is for all of us. You know, and while you're at it, you can treat one another that same way. Don't worry about who is first or who is last, but let everyone be beloved in this beloved community. And what's more, care for your neighbors. Care for the people who are around you so that they too can be what God intends them to be. And while you're at it, treat your enemies, treat the others, those who you step over or you push aside, treat them as God would have you treat them, as beloved creations, as this infinity of possibility, as the source of all of the richness of all of creation that God so very much delights in. Receive that, Jesus says. Welcome that. For the kingdom of God is all around us. It is within us. It is among us. And it fits us perfectly. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. If you're in the area, we would love to welcome you in person for worship on Sundays at 10.15 a.m. in our sanctuary on Rhodes Avenue next to Bird Park. You can also join us virtually online via live stream at facebook.com slash church by the park. For more information about our church or to make a donation in support of our ministries, please visit our website, churchbythepark.org. Now may the grace and peace of Jesus Christ be and abide with you.